2: Pushkin. Those of you who know your memes may recall the one about the science fiction author who writes a cautionary tale about something called the Torment Nexus, only to have a tech company finding only inspiration in that tale and announcing, at long last we have created the Torment Nexus from the classic sci-fi novel Don't Create the Torment Nexus. We won't be creating the Torment Nexus this week, but we will be exploring the metaverse. Cautionary Tales will return soon, but this week I couldn't be prouder to hand the microphone to Eric Malinsky. Eric is the host of Imaginary Worlds, a wonderful podcast about the imaginary worlds we create in our art, why we dispend our disbelief in them, and what they can teach us about ourselves. If you don't subscribe, please do. I am a loyal listener and I love the Imaginary Worlds podcast. In the episode you're about to hear... Eric tries to figure out what happens when one of the funniest, freshest pieces of 1990s science fiction, Neil Stephenson's Snow Crash, inspires a bunch of engineers at Facebook to create the metaverse. A cautionary tale for the ages, you be the judge. Here's Eric Malinsky with Imaginary Worlds, Snow Crashing into the Metaverse.
3: You're listening to Imaginary Worlds, a show about how we create them and why we suspend our disbelief. I'm Eric Malinsky, and pretty soon, we might all be interacting with each other in imaginary worlds.
4: CEO Mark Zuckerberg introduced what he calls the metaverse, a platform where users will interact in virtual and augmented realities. People and companies are pouring
1: hundreds of millions of dollars into the vision of the metaverse.
2: If we think of the internet as something that we look at, The Metaverse is a version of the internet that we're inside.
0: This comes close to how the Metaverse was first described in a 1992 science fiction novel, Snow Crash, that coined the term.
3: Yes, the Metaverse, as it's being imagined and proposed, is heavily influenced by a sci-fi novel called Snow Crash. And I love any story about life imitating art, especially science fiction. Now, at first, I thought Facebook, which has renamed itself Meta, was building the one and only Metaverse. But they're actually going to be competing Metaverses from different companies that are all in development right now. Facebook, or Meta, is just trying to get ahead of the game. And in the tech world, there's a debate whether these Metaverses should be fully immersive. Should we put devices on our heads and enter into virtual worlds? Or should the metaverse be augmented reality, where you're seeing digital projections on the real world, either through a device or even like a hologram of your coworker sitting right across from you? But there's another question that critics have been asking Should tech moguls and engineers be using a 30 year old cyberpunk novel as a design spec? And don't they realize that Snow Crash was a satire? To give you a sense of Snow Crash, if you haven't read it, the hero protagonist of the book is literally named Hero Protagonist. Although his first name is spelled H-I-R-O, it's short for Hiroki. His mother is Korean, but grew up in Japan. His father is African American. Hiro lives in a futuristic Los Angeles. More specifically, he lives in what used to be a storage container. But Hiro is also a master hacker. So when he logs onto the metaverse, he can have the powers of some kind of superhero.
5: He is wearing shiny goggles that wrap halfway around his head. The bows of the goggles have little earphones that are plugged into his outer ears. Here is the actor Varric Boyd reading from Snow Crash. The goggles throw a light, smoky haze across his eyes and reflect a distorted wide-angle view of a brilliantly lit boulevard that stretches off into an infinite blackness. This boulevard does not really exist. It is a computer-rendered view of an imaginary place. So Hero's not actually here at all. He's in a computer-generated universe that his computer is drawing onto his goggles and pumping into his earphones. In the lingo, this imaginary place is known as the metaverse. Hero spends a lot of time in the metaverse. It beats the shit out of the u story
3: In the interviews that I've read with Neal Stephenson, the author of Snow Crash, whenever he's called some kind of prophet, he brushes that aside and says he was, quote, just making shit up. But the novel is eerily prescient. Kevin Bangston researches the influence of science fiction on real-world technology at Arizona State University. And he says what sets Stevenson apart from a lot of other cyberpunk novelists is that Stevenson has the mind of an engineer— so when he was just making stuff up, it was still based on a very solid understanding of what the technology was capable of.
6: You know, a good example here is the sci-fi feedback loop around space travel and rocketry. That is the paradigmatic example of this sci-fi feedback loop in action. And it's basically exactly what happened with Snow Crash and Neil Stevenson. He created this vision. We did not have anything like the technology to get to it yet. But it was foreseeable. And then you had the people inspired by his book going off and actually building all of the intermediate technologies necessary to get to that point.
3: Stephen Pimentel is an engineer at a major company in Silicon Valley. Unfortunately, I can't tell you which one, but you have definitely heard of it. I own many of their products. When he started working in Silicon Valley, so many of his colleagues were reading Snow Crash. He heard one of them joke that he wouldn't trust an engineer who wasn't a fan of Snow Crash.
7: The the joke actually makes sense in that if if someone doesn't know of Snow Crash, you might almost take that as a a negative mark, you know, well, who
3: are you? What are you doing here? (laughs) Kind of thing. Now, he heard that joke when he was first starting out. Jumping ahead a few years. Stevenson discusses
7: technologies that went on to become Google Earth in 2001, a Second Life 2003, a Google Books 2004, a YouTube 2005, Siri 2011, and even Oculus Rift which came out in 2012. And the reason I bothered to list out all those dates is that Snow Crash was written in 1992. So well before these things came out and I don't think it was so much a matter of you know, looking ahead into the future and predicting things as giving a vision that engineers then literally took as inspiration to build products um, in much the same way that the Star Trek communicator became an inspiration for a lot of our smartphones. So that the fictional imagination of technology can often shape what
3: engineers concretely work toward building now to be honest whenever i've seen promotional videos of what the metaverse is going to look like i've been a little underwhelmed i mean it just doesn't look like this immersive virtual world that i imagined when reading snow crash it looks more like a combination of second life and the sims except all the avatars seem to be in work meetings Genevieve Bell is the director of the School of Cybernetics at the Australian National University. And she says, if anything, we're really just at a breaking point with the technology. And this term that Stevenson came up with, the metaverse, has become a rallying cry.
4: I wonder if the metaverse is as much about a tidying up of a bunch of technologies of giving them a coherence than it is about an actual technology per se. So it kind of becomes appealing because you, you don't then have to have the long list, which isn't very interesting. Because so I said to you, gosh, Eric, the future is VR, AR, 5G, IoT, cloud-based services, and some algorithms, or also probably a bit of FPGA technology and maybe some, you know, something else. You'd be like, that's nice. <laughs> like, I don't know what that is, but the metaverse makes it sound like it's coherent. I think it doesn't hurt that it does have this science fiction echo. It's sort of a word that feels familiar or at least like a familiar stranger where people kind of like, oh, I vaguely know that word.
3: And the quality of Stevenson's writing is a big factor in what's made Snow Crash so influential. Like he popularized the term avatar through Snow Crash.
4: Not all science fiction is good science fiction, right? And not all science fiction survives. And, you know, if you look at the ones who have shaped our language, the choices of words we have about this space, right? I don't think it's just about the technology. I think it is about the context in which it is embedded, I think it's about the seductiveness of those contexts, or of what those might feel like, or the completeness of them.
3: For instance, in this scene, hero protagonist comes across a piece of technology that looks remarkably like Google Earth. In fact, Sergey Brin, one of the founders of Google, has said Snow Crash is one of his favorite novels.
5: There is something new: a globe about the size of a grapefruit, a perfectly detailed rendition of planet Earth hanging in space at arm's length in front of his eyes. Hero has heard about this, but never seen it. It is a piece of CIC software called simply Earth. It is the user interface that CIC uses to keep track of every bit of spatial information that it owns. All the maps, weather data, architectural plans, and satellite surveillance stuff. The level of detail is fantastic, the resolution, the clarity, just the look of it, tells Hero or anyone else who knows computers that this piece of software is some heavy shit. It's not just continents and oceans. It looks exactly like the Earth would look from a point in geosynchronous orbit directly above L.A. Complete with weather systems, vast spinning galaxies of clouds hovering just above the surface of the globe, casting gray shadows on the oceans and polar ice caps fading and fragmenting into the sea.
3: I enjoy living in a world with technology like Google Earth or Siri. So if the metaverse resembles what Stevenson imagined, what could go wrong?
2: That's after the break. Cautionary Tales will return with Imaginary Worlds after the break. As a loyal listener to cautionary tales, you probably consider yourself pretty smart, and you are. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.
1: This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at t slash now.
2: This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix may not be able to rewrite history or take on society's problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home. Pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, So, if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T E R M I N I X.com to book online today. We're back. I'm Tim Harford. This is Cautionary Tales. And let's return to Eric Malinsky of Imaginary Worlds. There's a famous quote by the science
3: fiction writer Frederick Pohl that the job of science fiction is to imagine not the automobile, but the traffic jam. And Neil Stevenson does a lot of that in Snow Crash. Besides his work as an academic researcher, Kevin Bankston also works at Meta as their director of AI policy, focusing on the metaverse. He has heard this critique that tech companies should not be using a satirical novel as a source of inspiration. But he says the target of satire in Snow Crash wasn't so much the tech itself.
6: The target was really of the increasingly deregulated, privatized, globalized, balkanized, digitalized post Reagan political economy where like, you know, the federal government is withering away. In fact, in the book, it is withering away in part due to cryptocurrency related tax evasion, where where there's a much sharper, you know, financial division between the haves and the have nots and, and where. In response to the withering of state power, you see criminal networks and corporations and and gated communities, you know, with their own laws that Stevenson calls burbclaves have sort of stepped in to fill the gap. And so, like, that's definitely a dark vision, and it certainly has some political relevance for today, I think. But it's not really relevant to whether AR, VR technology is a positive development for consumers or or for the world. But...
3: Stevenson did foresee issues with technology. For instance, characters who are more high status or have money, their avatar can be realistic. They can buy themselves nice digital clothes. And if they're poor or somehow low status, their avatar is janky, pixelated, black and white. And that plays right into the idea of the digital divide, which Kevin says is something they talk about at Meta.
6: I mean, I think the hope for the field, uh, Meta included, I think the hope for the field is that we are going to get to a point, hopefully sooner rather than later, where the technology is cheap enough that it is as widely accessible as smartphones are today. And smartphones today are essentially a ubiquitous technology.
3: But should this metaverse technology be ubiquitous? Lisa Masseri teaches anthropology at Yale, and she focuses on how people interact with technology.
8: Part of like the metaverse is, and you know, I've talked with some people who have who have reaffirmed this, it's giving up the game. It's saying we are going to live on a world that is going to be increasingly hard to live in because of environmental change, because of more and more friction in social relations, because of divisive politics. And why not just create a virtual world in which we can escape into?
3: She thinks it's problematic how popular novels like Snow Crash are among engineers, or the novel Ready Player One from 2011, which was very influenced by Snow Crash. In fact, Ready Player One was so popular among the engineers that created Oculus Rift, the VR headsets that are key to Meta's metaverse plans.
8: When Facebook acquired Oculus, everyone received a copy of Ready Player One. The author came and gave talks. In Ready Player One, the villain was the big tech company. <laughs> like, they're, they're not the scrappy upstart, right? They're not the people who are fighting against it. And the whole resolution of the story is like, maybe we, wouldn't, we shouldn't be so online. This gets rationalized because what gets taken away from these texts is not the social story. It's the shiny technology.
3: Genevieve Bell has also been thinking about the ethical problems in building immersive worlds like the metaverse.
4: But as you start to go back further than that and say, who else was building whole worlds and using the latest technologies to do them? And then you can look at things, I mean, ironically enough, like Disneyland and theme parks.
3: Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because that's where I thought where you were heading. I was like, are you heading to
4: Disneyland? <laughs> I am heading to Disneyland and more importantly, Coney Island, because Coney Island comes first. One of the things about building these virtual worlds that are often characterized by the hyper in some way or another, right? is that the onboarding and offboarding is always kind of complicated. It's also the case that in building those worlds, part of what is happening for you as the person experiencing them as a kind of quote-unquote participant is that there's an enormous amount of things in the background that are made invisible, you know, whether that's the energy footprint, the human footprint, the labour, the regulation that sits inside of it, and all of that is in some ways a uh, a little bit like the Wizard of Oz, right? It's behind a curtain, it's behind a door, it's backstage, right? And the metaverse will be in some ways no different. What it is to maintain something like that will involve data centers, which we know have an extraordinarily complicated energy footprint. We know it will involve an inordinate amount of technology, the creation of which, the maintenance of which, and the ultimate decommissioning and and life of which is an energy sink. <laughs> we know that there will be people whose labour is being enacted to keep these places moving, who will have suboptimal experiences. The other thing that all of these worlds teach us, and Snow Crash too, right, is that the technology is not emancipatory per se. Extraordinary thing about Snow Crash is at no point does it suggest that the metaverse is a democratizing experience. <laughs> it's quite clearly, it's quite clearly the opposite.
5: Like any place in reality, the street is subject to development. Developers can build their own small streets feeding off of the main one. They can build buildings, parks, signs, as well as things that do not exist in reality, such as vast hovering overhead light shows, special neighborhoods where the rules of three-dimensional space-time are ignored, and free combat zones where people can go and hunt and kill each other. The only difference is that since the street does not really exist, it's just a computer graphics protocol written down on a piece of paper somewhere, none of these things is being physically built. They are rather pieces of software made available to the public over the worldwide fiber optics network. When Hero goes into the metaverse and looks down the street and sees buildings and electric signs stretching off into the darkness, disappearing over the curve of the globe, He is actually staring at the graphic representations, the user interfaces, of a myriad different pieces of software that have been engineered by major corporations.
3: The metaverse that Neal Stephenson imagined is pretty small by today's standards. His metaverse revolved around a single location, a virtual street. Again, here's Lisa. In
8: the first scene where people are on the street, right, the main drag of the metaverse. There's all these big billboards, right? There is this idea that you could capture attention, although it was in this kind of, because the street is very analog, right? It's buildings. um, It's a boulevard. It's a Broadway. The kind of notion of how advertising worked was also very analog. You know, the idea of other ways of capturing attention and capturing vision just You know, for Stevenson, who imagined so much, you know, good on him that he didn't quite imagine that that notion of like what else can be captured. Even companies like Google, it took them a while to really like lean into what it kind of meant to be an ad-forward company.
3: Being an ad-forward company means having a lot of sophisticated data surveillance. And surveillance is a theme in Snow Crash, but it's not about monetizing eyeballs. Stevenson thought that surveillance would come from the government. In the novel, the CIA and the Library of Congress have merged into a single organization called the CIC, which collects data by going person to person using these characters called gargoyles. They don't look like gargoyles, it's just a nickname and not a complimentary one. Gargoyles are addicted to the metaverse to the point where they can't really distinguish between the real world and the virtual one.
5: The CIC brass can't stand these guys because they upload staggering quantities of useless information to the database, on the off chance that some of it will eventually be useful. It's like writing down the license number of every car you see on your way to work each morning, just in case one of them will be involved in a hit and run accident. Even the CIC database can only hold so much garbage. So usually, these habitual gargoyles get kicked out of the CIC before too long. Hero Protagonist. The gargoyle says his hero finally tracks him down in the darkness beside a shanty. CIC Stringer for 11 months, specializing in the industry. Former hacker, security guard, pizza deliverer, concert promoter. He sort of mumbles it, not wanting hero to waste his time reciting a bunch of known facts. The laser that kept jabbing hero in the eye was shot out of this guy's computer from a peripheral device that sits above his goggles in the middle of his forehead a long-range retinal scanner. If you turn toward them with your eyes open, the laser shoots out, penetrates your iris, tenderest of sphincters, and scans your retina. The results are shot back to CIC, which has a database of several tens of millions of scanned retinas. Within a few seconds, if you're in the database already, the owner finds out who you are. If you're not already in the database, well, you are now. This ties into another concern for
3: Lisa. If we're going to be represented by realistic avatars in the metaverse, our bodies will have to be scanned in the same way that the latest iPhones can be opened with a scan of your face.
8: Where my caution comes, this is like my dystopian thinking of what our metaverse future is. Um, Our bodies contain a lot of data. Your movement data can be collected and stored. And there is a wealth of studies in perceptual psychology, which says how few movement points are needed in order to identify someone, that we all actually have something akin to a fingerprint in the way we move. There's, oh God, I forget which, oh, Upload. Have you seen Upload? It's on Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon. Yeah. So, you know, in their future, there's like all these giant corporate conglomerations. So it's like Facebook Wegmans, Apple, you know, CVS has, have all combined. And that's, you know, that's like very plausible. And so imagine like a future in which a tech company combines with like a health insurance company.
3: Or sells your data to a health insurance company. Now, that is pure speculation. And the company of Meta has been trying to counter these types of criticisms by hiring many of their own critics. For example, before Kevin Bankston worked for Meta, he also worked with the ACLU and the Electronic Frontier Foundation.
6: I was a critic of of Facebook on consumer privacy issues as a civil society person, while also working with them on things we agreed on, like trying to limit unwarranted government surveillance of digital platforms, for example. I do think Facebook has made privacy mistakes in the past. The reason I went to the company was to help ensure it makes better decisions for new technologies like AI.
3: Whatever happens, the metaverse is coming, or at least a multiverse of metaverses. So I wondered, is there anything that we can learn from Hero Protagonist in the way that he navigates the metaverse in Snow Crash? As an engineer, Stephen Pimentel always admired Hero's sense of agency in the book. If
7: we want a positive theme from Snow Crash, it's that that's how we have to view these technologies. To the extent that, we've, that we allow the metaverse to simply become a sort of hyper-television, a 3D television, a 3D immersive television, that's en- going to end up being a very bad thing for us. You know, One of the things you can take from Snow Crash is sort of don't do that. Try not to let that happen with the technology. But regardless of what goes on in the technology around you, always be looking for ways to retake and
3: regain control. I've been talking theoretically about the future. Most of this technology is still in development, but Grace Ang is an example of how this is playing out now. She's part of a group that created NFTs called CrashPunks that you can buy using Stacks, which is an open source blockchain for Bitcoin transactions. I recorded our interview before the crypto market crashed last summer, but she told me in an email that her feelings haven't changed. And that goes back to reading Snow Crash, which imagines a future where people have more faith in decentralized currencies than the U.S. dollar.
9: The whole Stacks team has been inspired by cra- uh, Snow Crash. So the wallet that we use um, in the Stacks ecosystem is called Hero Wallet, H-I-R-O, um, named after Hero Protagonist.
3: And the NFTs, they are, are they characters from the novel? I think that's what they look like.
9: Yeah. Yeah, so so a lot of the traits are inspired by uh, characters um, and traits in Snow Crash. There's, of course, people with like kind of like the goggles and the antenna and wires sticking out of their heads.
3: Also, Grace's group wants to create a version of the Black Sun Club, which is the cool virtual nightclub in Snow Crash.
9: Yeah, so this is something that we're um, building out. It's still um, on the DL, but basically... It's, it's going to be accessible on the internet. You just you, you go on um, and that would be, we're still exploring kind of like whether it's going to be a, within VR, AR or like a web VR experience. Ideally, the vision is you log in as your avatar. And so that's kind of like the part of the roadmap that we're working on is turning all the NFTs into 3D avatars. And then once you log in through your wallet, then you can exist as your avatar, walk around, buy land and hang out.
3: And this would be like an indie metaverse that they're building, separate from the big tech metaverses.
9: I don't think it's one corporation that owns the metaverse. I think it's all the builders who are very passionate about turning either science fiction into reality or just being able to extend themselves into the virtual space.
3: One of the things that I found interesting in talking with Grace is seeing how much Neal Stephenson's novels from decades ago are still relevant to cutting-edge technology. In fact, Neil Stevenson met with their group, and at the end of their video call, they gave him a Neil Stevenson Crashpunks NFT that looks like a cartoon of him, except his neck is full of gears and wires like a cyborg.
9: So, Brett, can you reveal that to him?
2: Oh my God! Yeah, wow! Thing of beauty. Thank you.
3: There is a very complicated and polarizing debate around NFTs. But in my experience, whenever there's a tech revolution and some people promise wonderful things and other people warn of terrible things, both sides tend to be right to a certain extent. One thing I learned from Snow Crash is that if we're gonna create a new world in a virtual space, it's gonna have the same problems as the real world, just amplified in a brand new way. It doesn't matter if our avatars are photorealistic holograms, or pixelated icons, or fantastical creatures. They're still us, and we can never escape ourselves. That is it for this week. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Genevieve Bell, Kevin Bangston, Lisa Masseri, Stephen Pimentel, Grace Eng, and Varric Boyd, who did the readings. My assistant producer is Stephanie Billman. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you really like the show, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts or a shout out on social media. That always helps people discover imaginary worlds. And if you're interested in advertising the show, drop us a line at contact at imaginaryworldspodcast.org. And I'll put you in touch with our ad coordinator the best way to support the podcast is to donate on Patreon. At different levels, you get either free Imaginary World stickers, a mug, a t-shirt, and a link to a Dropbox account, which has the full-length interviews of every guest in every episode. The show's website is imaginaryworldspodcast.org.
2: That was Imaginary Worlds on Cautionary Tales. You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds in all the usual places, and Cautionary Tales will be back soon.
0: A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Nerdwallet, finance smarter.
8: We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance.